Hey everyone, this is Tiffany. And this is George. Welcome to our podcast, Richness of the Word. So the purpose of this podcast is to be used as a reference for y'all in regards to family worship, group Bible study, or even your personal quiet time. And today we're starting a new study uh, through the book of Ruth. Yes, and I am very excited to start this study. Um, Right when we finished going through Jonah, George and I got together to discuss, okay, what book are we going to do next? And he asked me if I wanted to do Joshua, Judges, or or Ruth. Ruth. And immediately I'm like, "We we have to do Ruth. So in my mind, as a young woman growing up, it was very much find your Boaz, you know, the hashtag find your Boaz. And, <laughs> and this book is so much more than a woman finding a man that she needs to spend her life with. Right. A lot of people think of Ruth as, oh, it's a great romance story in the Bible, which it is. But there, again, is so much more to the book of Ruth um, than what people realize. We have found as we go through Ruth that there's there's two overarching themes. The first one is God's sovereignty, right? Even during the period of the judges, which is when this takes place, God still has his people. He's still working his purposes, but even as he does today, he usually chooses to do so very quietly and in unlikely places. And we often don't see it. We like to think God is all about the spectacular and the extraordinary. And the firework. Right. More, but far more often, God just works very, very subtly, very quiet. And, 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 and this is encouraging. It means that God is interested in the ordinary details of the ordinary days mm-hmm. of ordinary people. Mm-hmm. And the other thing we found, right, is faithful living. We see the integrity and honor displayed in both Boaz and Ruth. And they're a great, they're gonna, we're going to see they're great examples of how to live by faith yes. uh, in the Lord. So without further ado, we are going to discuss chapter one. Uh, if you haven't yet, we do encourage you to read through the first chapter of Ruth. Uh, before listening further. Okay, so in verse one, right, it talks about how this is taking place in Israel during the time of the judges. I think the time of the judges really gets summed up in the last verse of the book of Judges, Judges 21, 25, which says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Yes, and I like how in in my Bible, do you are you reading from the same one as me? Am I reading from the same one as you? Yes, V. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Tiffany has five Bibles, and they're all different versions. So she picks which one she feels like each week. Whichever one I grab (laughs) is the one that I am going for that week. But anyway, so I'm not going to get into. which Bible I'm using, but (laughs) in the version that I have with me today, um, mine says in those days, Israel had no King. All the people, all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. So Mm -hmm. if you're not 
if you're not following God's word, if you're not following his rules and what he is instructing you to do, there are going to be things that you you seem could be right. Yeah, it's it was definitely uh, moral relative, relativism was prevalent <laughs> and it's going to lead to chaos, violent invasions, lawlessness, tribal civil war, and, and yeah, just a lack of faithfulness to, to God and his teachings. And so that is the time period, a very dark, terrible time that yes. uh, Ruth is set during. And it begins with a, uh, a man uh, by the name of Elimelech. There's actually quite a bit of irony here. Elimelech, uh, that name means the Lord is king. And yet, his actions don't, don't fit with this uh, proclamation. Um, it says in Deuteronomy 23, God, God said, don't associate with the Moabites. Don't do it. Don't have anything to do with them. It wasn't a race thing. It had to do with the fact that they were this pagan religion. Mm-hmm. And... So they're commanded not to associate with them. They're, you know, this land was God's promised land to them. Uh, but Elimelech is, is clearly not believe, trusting in God's provision. So not only does he leave the promised land that God gave him, but he goes and lives with the Moabites. And not only that, his sons married Moabite women, which was also forbidden in, in Deuteronomy 7. And as we see, this this sin ends up leading not to them having enough food to eat and doing okay for themselves, it leads to death, poverty, and widowhood. Yeah. And yet we'll see. God still is going to work out his purpose, right? His sovereignty, this this actually is encouraging. We know that his sovereignty will ultimately cover our mistakes. He's still going to work through that to accomplish his purpose. So now we have Naomi, right? Naomi loses her husband, but, right, maybe she's found consoling in, in her sons getting married and the promise of grandchildren, right? Because the value for women in this society is found in having children and lots of them and, and yes. grandchildren and passing on that family line. Yes, and having sons. Please have a son for me because I want my name to be carried on. Right. It's a... And then that ends up, right, now her sons die, leaving no heirs. Now Naomi literally has nothing. Mm -hmm. She's a widow. She's a foreigner. She has no protection in a male-dominated society. Right. I mean, this is is literally rock bottom for her. Poverty, homelessness, she has nothing. And, And none of that, her family line is now going to die out. And that's the most disgraceful thing of all in this society. Yes. And now we see in, in, in verse 7, right, she, she's leaving. She's heading out of town. And it's customary in, you know, in the Near East that Ruth and uh, Orpah, I, was, I keep wanting to say Oprah, Oprah yes, um, Orpah, and Ruth, it's customary for them to see her out of town, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of the, <laughs> I couldn't help but think about, you know, like the southern goodbye. The long southern <laughs> goodbye, yes. We take you to, 
We walk you to the door. We stand at the door and talk to you for a little while. We may walk you to your car and stand outside and talk to you for 30 more minutes and, and tell you we can't wait to see you again and we love you and we'll see you later. And then you're getting in the car and you're rolling down your window as you're backing out and we're all waving goodbye. Right. I can only feel like that's that's what's going on here with, with this and, and, and this culture. Um, <laughs> but anyway... In preparing for the podcast, I listened to a sermon by Alastair Begg, and there was a part that really stood out to me when he started talking about verse 8. And in verse 8, Naomi tells her two daughter-in-laws, go back to your mother's homes. And this isn't something that you see throughout the Bible. What you usually see is go back to your father. Right. And that's more of, you're a disappointment. You are not what we thought you were, what we needed from you. You you didn't deliver the goods. Right. You didn't have kids or, or, or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Go back to your father so he can deal with you. But here, Naomi and these two women have endured together have gone through heartache together collectively and her telling them go back to your mothers is more out of love and Mm. comfort and you'll find more of what you need from them than from me Mm -hmm. it was it's it's more of an act of selfless love. Right. She Naomi realizes her life is ruined and she doesn't want Ruth and Orpah's lives to be ruined as well. Yes. And yeah, versus like and then and right, they don't leave right away and so she Naomi begs with them again, you know, pleads with them again like, "Listen, there's no prospects for you if you go with me." Um right, she's like, "Even if I Go ahead and get married now. And I have sons. Are you going to wait until they're 18, 20 right. years old and then marry them? You know, no. there's, it's, it's just not, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. If you come with me, you're in for just the rest of your life. Homelessness, poverty, mm-hmm. hardship. Um, the exact things that every, like everything in, in your society says this is what you should not be. Uh, if mm-hmm. you want to have any value or point to your life. And so she's like, you need to go. Don't do this. And um, what she said next in verse 9 is just so touching. She said, may the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. She kissed them goodbye. Of course, they all break down and cry because they don't want to leave each other. Because mm-hmm. they truly care and love for one another and they both told her no we want to grow old with you we both want to go with you to be with your people right and then and then when Naomi explains to him again like this is not what you want uh, you know you need to you need to go even like in verse 13 she says don't come with me because God is against me 
I mean, that's that's a sad statement, and we'll look at that a little bit more uh, later. Uh, what you know, what, what she's saying here, but she's like, listen, God's against me. You don't want to come with me. It, your your life is going to be miserable moving forward, and and you know what, Orpa, she does the sensible thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she kissed her mother in law goodbye, and she went back. Orpa came to her, came to her senses, mm-hmm. and and thought, yeah, I need to I need to move on from this. I need to have my time of mourning, and then do do what's right for me. Mm-hmm. And and produce an heir for someone else. Of course, Ruth stays with Naomi, and I think maybe maybe the key phrase is actually found with Naomi in verse fifteen, where Naomi says, "See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. We return after your sister-in-law." This phrase, right? Her gods. And, and really, your gods, as, as Moabites, your religion, go back to that. And it's, I think that might be the key to Ruth's decision now, right? Because she says, your people will, will be my people and your God, my God. My God. She is, is, she must have learned about Yahweh. She married into this family. She married into this culture. And so you are... Whether you believe in it or not, you're forced to see how they live their lives and how they serve the one true God day in and day out. So she's learned all these things about Yahweh, and she must believe these things to be true because instead of going back to Moab and going back to the security and and, and all the things that this world says are valuable— She's like, I'm giving up all those things yes. so that I can pursue what I know is true. And that is God is both sovereign and he is good. She's giving up the comfort of what she's always known prior to her marriage, which is her family. Mm-hmm. She's leaving the town that she's always been a part of to follow this woman back to her hometown where she knows no one. So she is giving up a lot here. Right. But she knows that knowing and following God is far greater and far more important than any of the things she's actually giving up. Mm-hmm. Which is thing, things of the world, things of right. comfort. Right. And as we said with one of the themes, as we'll see, it's from this book is faithful living. And this is a great example of Ruth living with integrity with honor and walking in faith in in God. So now that brings us to uh, the last part of chapter one, which is begins in verse 19. And I thought this was funny because I don't know what this is like, but but <laughs> Tiffany does. The, the small town drama and gossiping. Where everybody knows who you are, yes. It's like that, and I don't know how many of you have ever listened to country music or if you do listen to country music but it's like that Miranda Lambert song everybody dies famous in a small town which is true that's right everybody knows everybody's business everybody is in everybody's business if you leave for a few years and you come back they know exactly who you are right and and I can only imagine the just the pain that 
Naomi is is feeling as she's walking into this town mm-hmm. and haven't been gone for at least 10 years. And everybody's like, can this be Naomi? Is that Naomi? She's walking in here by herself with this lady? Who is this lady she's with? Right. And I'm sure just with that accent and everything. Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, so... So somebody, you know, finally actually comes up to Naomi and talks to them, right? Uh, and she's, you know, and then she says to him, you know, this, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, right? Naomi means uh, blessed. And, and so she's basically like, listen, I don't feel blessed. Don't call me blessed. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to call me bitter uh, because that's how God has dealt with me. To her credit, right, Naomi is very honest and open about her feelings, right? She's not yes. keeping a stiff upper lip, like rise above it. I can, you know, or bury this down deep and, and everything. She's, she's she very, very much. I went, yeah. she says, I went away full with her husband and her children, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Mm-hmm. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer? And the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me. Mm-hmm. She's telling them, you know, this is, this is what my life has ended up becoming. And she is correct in her understanding that the explanation and the responsibility of this trouble does lie with God, right? She calls God uh, El Shaddai, the Almighty. She understands that he is sovereign and he's still sovereign. Um, however... What separates her from Ruth is now Ruth understands that God is both sovereign and good. That's why she chose Mm -hmm. willingly this life now. Whereas Naomi, as you read, Tiffany, that she she accuses gods of things of of, of, you know almost wrongdoing and being unfair to her. Mm -hmm. So she because she believes God is, is, is sovereign but unfair, right? She's detached his sovereignty from his goodness. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't want to be too hard on Naomi because of what she's gone through. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, though, isn't that true of us? Like whenever we endure suffering or something, we either believe that God is not sovereign or he's not good. We, it, it's, it's very rare you have somebody like Ruth who still holds on to both facts about God. Even though she has lost her husband and is now a widow, she is still clinging to that faith and clinging to it by following Naomi wherever she goes, by saying, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Where you die, Mm -hmm. I will die. It's very key to have a proper understanding of God when these kinds of storms enter your life. You can see Ruth is suffering, but she's still like, I'm going to endure this oh, with yes, a joyful sure. with a joyful heart. Whereas Naomi is in the pit of despair. Yes. And wanting to be, she's wanting to change her identity by telling people to call her bitter. People, when they go through, through storms, when they go through trials, just like in Ruth's time, people were going through famine and not knowing when they're going to eat again and just like Naomi losing three family members it can either really draw you closer to God and 
your walk with him or it can pull you away from it. And even though Naomi knows what she knows, she's still grief stricken and pretty much blaming God for what's going on and, and what has happened to, to her and her family. But again, and I will say this many times, this is exactly why we need to have God present in our lives every moment of every day, no matter what you're going through. If you're having a great day, praise him for that. Mm-hmm. If you are going through what Naomi is going through, praying to God and talking to him about it, the closer you are to him, the better you're going to be. He should be first in your life. It's a good thing that Ruth has three more chapters in it. It would be terrible if the if the book ended here. <laughs> right. um, Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. The end. <laughs> yeah, that would have been terrible. Um, unfortunately, we're, we're near the end now for for uh, this week, and we'll pick up on chapter two and, and the others moving forward. I I would like to end though by looking at the last verse, which is verse 22, where it mentions that they've come to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. The way it's almost written is that it's like, you know, oh, it's a coincidence, but it's not really a coincidence. You know, mm-hmm. God is working. As as we said at the beginning, um, God is interested in the ordinary details of the ordinary days of ordinary people. Mm-hmm. There's no way that Ruth and Naomi can see God at work at, at this point in their lives. Maybe we can see it as we're readers, like knowing the full story and, and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, looking back. Um, but they definitely can't see it now. And that is something that we will see throughout the rest of this book and how God works so subtly. And isn't that just amazing and awesome? So before we leave, we do have a few discussion questions for you to to use with uh, your family, your group, or your own private reflection. Can you recall a time where you sinned, yet God used this mistake to bring glory to himself? Number two, how do you respond to suffering in your life? Do you detach God's sovereignty from his goodness like Naomi? And number three, are you willing to give up your gods, your things of security to follow God as Ruth did? Join us next week now as we examine the second chapter of Ruth. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord has shown you the richness of the word.